Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. I'll try this again. How about that? Are you happy to be at church this morning? There we go. Come on. Well, we're going to get into the Word today. We have been uh, in a series called... Um, uh, what has it been called? The Unstoppable Church. Thank you. I got distracted by my phone here. I know my own series title, I promise. Unstoppable Church, and it's been a great time uh, studying this together. And we're going to continue in this uh, series as we just kind of look at um, the early church, and the early church is unstoppable. And if the early church was unstoppable and our church is unstoppable, that means you're unstoppable too because you are the church. And so what we've been talking about is just looking at this local thing called Unstoppable Church. Last week, we talked about devotion, and this week, we're going to talk about the word supernatural. We go back to, into our story here today. We, we, we look, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts again and looking in the, the, first, the second chapter of the book of Acts. Now, where we find our story today is there, there is a group of people who gathered together, something called the Pentecost. Pentecost was a feast. They would gather together to join every year. The Jews from all over the world really would come and gather, and they would gather, and they would all join together in Jerusalem, and they would join together. 100,000 people was the population of Jerusalem, and over this week, 900,000 people would all culminate into this one spot to celebrate and to remember this week of Pentecost. These Jews from all over the world, they had all believed really in the same thing. They all believe in this God called Yahweh. They believe in the stories that their great-grandfathers and their grandfathers and their fathers have told them. They remember back and think and consider to all of the times back in the Old Testament or the Torah, each of these young children had memorized the five first books of the Bible by the time that they were eight or nine years old. They had memorized the scripture and they had heard about this idea of Yahweh. They'd heard about this idea of this God called Yahweh who had parted the Red Sea and who had called Abraham out of Ur and he led the people of Israel with a cloud by day and a, a fire by night and manna from heaven and how God eradicated the, the giants that were in the promised land. And this Yahweh God all throughout history for thousands of years had had expressed this mighty, mighty, powerful, supernatural reality that the people of Israel heard about. They read about it. They memorized it. They looked at it. They studied it. They considered it. And they gathered together in this place to celebrate it. But every one of these Jews had received a prophetic word from multiple prophets all throughout their writings from the Torah and all throughout the Old Testament that one day this Messiah would come and restore the kingdom of heaven back to earth. So all of these Jews were gathering together in the place of Jerusalem with all having the same expectation and the same anticipation that one day, potentially, if this Yahweh thing is true, if this God thing is a reality, if all these things that we've learned from all of these years that we've heard them are really true, then the scriptures teach us and foretell us that a, a Messiah will come and he will restore everything back into order the way that it was. And so they all believed in this higher power. They believed in this deity. Maybe they believed in this universe. They believed in this idea, but they never experienced the Messiah themselves. 
They had heard about God. They had heard about Yahweh. They had talked about Yahweh. They had taught the values of Yahweh. They they had learned it their entire lives, yet they themselves never had a personal encounter with this living Yahweh God. They simply heard about it, talked about it, went to the, 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 the feast. They went to all the different religious things. They had all the religious patterns in their life, but they had never experienced a life transformation from the power of this Messiah. So they all gathered together in this place of Jerusalem. And if we jump back into our story that we left off from last week, we find that there was a bunch of people who had decided to follow after this man named Jesus. And this man named Jesus walked and talked on the earth and he uh, confessed uh, and, and identified himself as the son of God. And he eventually said he would die on a cross and he died on a cross and he was crucified, a criminal's death, and he was buried for three days. And he resurrected on the third day as he foretold he would do. And then Jesus met with several of these followers and then he ascended up into the clouds and these disciples were now left on the earth without really knowing what to do other than one instruction, just wait. So they gathered up in this upper room in downtown Jerusalem, right outside this beautiful uh, upper room. They were eating and drinking and having church and hanging out and being together, and it was a good old time. And they didn't really know what to do, but they were just waiting, similar to what we just did. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the mighty rushing wind, the Bible says, came through the window, and the room was filled with a mighty wind. It was a mighty rushing wind. Imagine the sound of a jet taking off. It came in the room, and the Bible says that tongues rested on every one of these Jesus followers, and they began to to speak uh, about God in foreign languages. Every language represented that was every Jew there was heard the very promises and the, 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 the realities of God spoken in their language. And as they began to speak these words, Peter walked out out to the courtyard. And as he walked out onto the courtyard, he recognized that all these people were looking up to this platform. And Peter stood out on the very edge of this platform. And he began to say these words. And I want to read it to you this morning in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. It'll be on the screen behind me and on the screen on, online. It says this, then Peter, then Peter stepped out with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Someone say amen. Amen. Unless you're in Vegas, no, someone say amen. amen. Just kidding. Don't be offended. It's okay. Just a joke. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, listen to this, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with people of lawless Gentiles. With the help of, the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. God raised Jesus from the dead. 
And we are witnesses of this. And now he's exalted to the place of the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. As the, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see in here today. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? See, Peter stood up and said, listen, everything you're experiencing right now, the sound that you're hearing of being, uh, the, 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 these men declaring of the wonders of God in your native language, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was promised in your Bible. All the Jews here were waiting for the coming of Messiah. They were all waiting for this day when this man would come and restore Israel back to God's kingdom, would restore heaven to earth. And Peter stood up and said, I want you to know that the hundreds, if not the thousands of years of prophecies that have been given prior, that you've been studying and memorizing your entire life has come to fulfillment on this day. God has come to earth finally as he promised 900,000 people were gathered there today, but 3,000 of them had their heart pierced by the message of Jesus Christ being crucified, being buried, rising from the dead, ascending into the clouds, and the Holy Spirit coming down and filling these men with his power. 3,000 men and women that day were struck by this word and said, Brother Paul, disciples, followers of Jesus, what should we do? And Peter said, all you have to do is repent and turn from your sin and be water baptized so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit just like we were so that you will receive this from generation to generation to generation. It's for your children and your children's children. I want you to know today that the coming Messiah is here and he's here alive and God is here to do something supernatural in your life. And these 3,000 men receive these words and it pierced their heart. And then we come to the definition of the church. We've been looking at these verses and we see that it defines the different realities of the church, this new church that you and I are sitting here in this beautiful, our seats are having a nice little massage in our beautiful seats. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Amen, Bessie. I like that better, girl. We sit in these seats, right? And we're all here today because of that one moment when the Holy Spirit came down, the church started and you are a recipient of that. And then it goes on to talk in Acts chapter two about what the church looked like. Last week, we talked about how the church is unstoppable because the church is devoted to what matters most to God. This week, we're going to talk about how the church is unstoppable because it continued to be in awe of the supernatural realities of God. Acts 2, 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. A deep sense of awe. Fear, terror came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Fear, terror, that's that word, frightened, awe, that the supernatural Messiah God came to earth died on a cross, was buried for three days, rose to life again, ascended to the clouds and sent the Holy Spirit. And now 
the Holy Spirit living God Messiah that's been talked about for generation now lives in me. Ah, fear. Now that word is actually where we get the English word phobia. So this word phobia generally talks about irrational fear. I, growing up, had an irrational fear. I used to be deathly afraid of spiders. Now I kind of am a little still, especially if they sneak up on me. <laughs> but I was so deathly afraid of spiders that when I was a kid my, on Thompson Street, my brother wanted to switch from the big room to the smaller room that I had. So we switched. And what I didn't realize is that this room was next to the attic and had a little bit more spiders than normal, maybe two a week. <laughs> little black. <laughs> now, is that a lot or a little? That's a lot, okay. Little black spiders, you know, house spiders that have nothing, don't want anything to do with you. They just want to kill the other bugs. But I was in such terror that I would literally, when I would walk out my door, I would pack my things up and I would bolt out the door in fear that that little black spider would jump on my head and eat me. In fact, it was so intense that I would actually pack a suitcase and my, 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 my sleeping bag and my pillow and I would, if I saw a spider, I would run out of the door and sleep in the guest room for three days. And I would, little by little, inch back in to see if that spider was there. And if it was still there, I was still living in the guest room. That's called irrational fear. So when we think about fear and we think about God, we often think, well, why should we be irrationally afraid of God? That's not what this word is saying. This word is a wholesome fear, a reverent fear, in awe of God, this reality that it's a holy fear based on the fact that the divine supernatural God is present in this room in my life. It's a reality, this, this, this holy fear, this reverential fear is that we are able to look beyond the curtain of the natural world and poke our eyes into the supernatural world and realize we are not alone, and as followers of Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him while they pray and worship the Lord, that we are now surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. We are now protected by the blood and the power of Jesus Christ, that we are now living a supernatural world. The unstoppable church never loses its reverential fear for the supernatural realities of God. Pull the curtain back and look into this supernatural reality. Now, Paul, uh, uh, Luke is the writer of this book of Acts. It's his part two. He wrote his first book after himself. Luke, that's kind of narcissistic. Whatever, Luke, call something else. <laughs> what should I name it? How about Luke? <laughs> Even though it's about Jesus, whatever. So, book of Luke. And he uses this word, Luke's a doctor. He uses this word multiple times all throughout Scripture. And I'm only going to talk about one of them for just a few seconds. It's in Luke chapter 7. And the story is the disciples, and actually it says a large crowd of people and Jesus were walking into a town called Nain. And as they walk into this town called Nain, a large crowd of people, there was out of the, the, the city gates were coming a funeral procession. And the, this, this, this small little tiny coffin 
And this mother was weeping. And, you know, I don't want to go into it, but in those days, they would actually pay mourners to mourn with them. They'd be paid to cry, wear black, and they'd cry for weeks just so that the mom would feel consolation from people around them. who We don't know if they really cared or not. They just were getting paid. And so all these people would be wailing and crying. And Jesus walks up to this tiny little coffin and says, sweetheart, mama, don't cry. And he reaches down and he touches the coffin with the bottom of his hand. And this young boy sits up in the coffin. That's one funeral you want to go to. Sits up and he, the Bible says he started to talk. Hey, mom, what's, can I have some KD? <laughs> I'm hungry. He leans up in the coffin and it says in scripture, look what it says in the scripture. Great fear swept the crowd and they glorified and praised God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us. Look at this. God has visited his people Today, oh man, I feel the Holy Spirit's in this place right now. Come on. This was a supernatural moment where these people realized this life I'm living is not just natural. There is a supernatural world going on. And as followers of Jesus, these disciples, you know, the disciples weren't mentioned in the scripture. They were so used to it. They were so used to the supernatural reality of God Great fear swept the crowd. It didn't say great fear swept the disciples. It swept the crowd, the onlookers, those who weren't used to the fact that Jesus did this on a regular basis, that they were around the supernatural reality of God constantly. See, in the scripture, we recognize that the way to be unstoppable is to not lose our reverential fear and awe for the supernatural God, that this God who came to earth denied equality with God, became a human, died a criminal's death, was buried in a grave for three days, said he would rise from the dead, and guess what? He did, and he ascended up to the clouds, and he sent the Holy Spirit, and the living, powerful, supernatural God now lives inside of you, which should cause an awareness of the supernatural realm in our lives. But we get used to the coffin-touching, boy-raising, supernatural resurrection God, don't we? And we become like a Jew going through the religious motions, showing up to Pentecost, rather than recognizing that this awe never stops. Now, there's something I want to teach you today. I want to teach you something about this, because I want to ask you a question. That story's pretty amazing, isn't it? Were you there? Were you at the, did you smell the smells in the air? Did you, were you there when Jesus touched the coffin? Were you there when Jesus caused that boy to raise up? Were you there? None of us were, yet we have faith to believe that God did something supernatural. You weren't there to see it, but you believe it. You believe that this God raised this young boy from the dead. You believe that this story happened. You believe that this is a reality. Why? Well, firstly, because it's written in the truth. (laughs) It's written in the word of God, and we believe every word written in this book is true, amen? God breathed inspired, which means that it happened. When you hear it, your faith is increased to believe in a supernatural world. But I want you to know something really incredible about this very verse, our key text. And I really want you to catch this this morning. Notice it says, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs. The sense of awe and reverential fear came before the miracles. 
They could have easily said, and the apostles did many miracles and, 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 and signs and wonders, and awe came over the people. He didn't say it like that. At this point in the story, the only thing that these people encountered was the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. We don't read in Acts chapter 2 about one miracle. The only thing we see is that the Holy Spirit came down upon these people and they experienced a transformation and they heard the message of Jesus Christ and Christ crucified and Christ risen from the dead and the Holy Spirit coming upon us. The prophesied Messiah came to earth. That's all we heard. We didn't hear anything about a miracle. I want you to catch something here this morning. I wonder if the church's reverential fear, their awe and fear because of the cross and the message of Jesus Christ, that he died for my sins, that he's wiped away my iniquity, that he's made a way for me and access to me to have a relationship with the heavenly father and spend an eternity with him and be with God for eternity and I get to live an abundant life and the Holy Spirit's come and filled me and I experienced redemption and salvation and forgiveness. I never had a miracle in my life. I just accepted the message of Jesus Christ. I wonder if that that fear creates a platform for miracles. People say to me all the time, Pastor Ryan, why aren't there miracles in our church? Why aren't there miracles in Canada churches today? Why don't we see those things? Maybe it's because we've lost our reverential fear for the very supernatural realities of the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. Maybe because our awe has gone away. Our fear for the Lord and our reverential fear for the realities of the very simple, basic message of Jesus Christ, Christ crucified, buried in the cross, risen from the dead, ascended into the clouds, the Holy Spirit comes down and fills your life isn't enough for us anymore. We need more. We need more miracles. We need God to show up. We need God to do more for our lives. We need God to come through for that dollar. We need God to provide for that car. We need God to fulfill that, bring that fulfillment. We need God to do this. We need God to do this. We need God to do this before we're ever going to believe like we used to believe when the cross should be enough for us. In fact, Jesus teaches this. He addresses this issue. John chapter 20. All the disciples had experienced the resurrection of Jesus. They'd all, Jesus had appeared to all of them except for one disciple. His name was Thomas. And it says in the Bible that the disciples went into this room and came up to, to Thomas and said, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. He's resurrected from the dead. And Thomas said, unless I put my fingers in his side, unless I put my fingers in his hands, unless I put my fingers in his feet, I will not believe. See, this is called the yeast of the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 16, it says in the scripture in Matthew chapter 16, look at this. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, those who followed religious practices but never had an experience with Yahweh, Messiah, Jesus Christ. They were religious thinking people who lived in the mode of religion, motions, going through the, 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 the idea of religion, but had never had a personal relationship with God. They said to him, Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him, show me a sign from heaven. And Jesus looked at them and said, listen, you can look up into the sky and you can predict the, the, the weather, but you don't even know the signs of the times. He says, I'm not going to show you a sign. The only sign I'm going to give you, listen, is the sign of Jonah. Now, you might be watching today and say, what does he mean, the sign of Jonah? Well, if you've heard the story of Jonah, what happened? Jonah went into a fish for three days and three nights. 
That's a picture, a metaphor, an allegory, a picture of what Jesus was about to do. He says, I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried for three days. And guess what? I'm going to rise from the dead. That is all you need. You don't need another miracle. You don't need another dollar. You don't need another breakthrough. You don't need another moment. You don't need another chain broken. You already got everything you need by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the platform of reverential fear that brings the miracles in your life. Not to be searching after like the yeast of Pharisees for miracles. We got a message in our churches today that we got to search for miracles and go get miracles and go get more. And I need more from God. That is the yeast of the Pharisees. And we need to die to that reality because that might be the reason why we're not experiencing a move of God in our churches. It's because we've lost our reverential fear for the very fact that God came to earth and died for you and for me. Look what Jesus finishes this comment in John 20. It says the disciples were now all together. And it says very clearly the door was locked. And Jesus walked through the wall. Hello, come on now. Can't wait to do that in my glorified body. (laughs) Jesus, can you just put a bunch of walls in front of me and lock all the doors? I just want to walk through it. Walks through the door. Jesus is there. And it says very clearly in scripture, John chapter 20, Jesus looked at Thomas. He said, Thomas, Touch my hands. Put your fingers on my feet. Put your finger on my side. He said this to him. Stop doubting and believe. He says, Thomas says, my Savior and my God. He says, you saw and you believed. But blessed are those who believe and never see it. See, these people in this book, this story of Acts, did not see Jesus. They were not there at the crucifixion. They weren't there at the resurrection. They weren't around that season. They were one of the ones who rejected the idea of God. But 3,000 people decided that I'm going to believe even if I never see it. I'm going to believe in the living God, in the supernatural God, even if I never experience another miracle in my life. Even when I'm persecuted, even when my marriage struggles, even when finances are down, even when it feels like God is not with me, I know that there's a supernatural God that's at work in my life because I believe in the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection and that the living God lives in me right now. I believe. I don't have to see it. I believe it. If God never did another miracle and gave me another dollar, I'd say, God, thank you for the sign of Jonah. Thank you that you created a platform for me to believe that miracles can happen in my life today. And it has nothing to do with the building. And it has nothing to do with the preacher. And it has nothing to do with holy oil. It has nothing to do with these preachers across the place who want to make it about them. It ain't about them. It's about Jesus and the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, have you ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit? Many years ago, you may have heard this story before, so forgive me, but many years ago, I was really upset with God. I'd been in ministry here in Calgary. It ended quickly. I was upset. I was disgruntled. I was bitter. I didn't like people. I didn't want to read my Bible. I just was really in religion. I loved, I knew God, but I wasn't really in a relationship with God. My wife and I went to uh, England and, uh, and, and to a conference and 10,000 young students in this circus tent sitting on crisscross applesauce on the ground 
And they had a huge band come out. It was awesome. And then this kind of, you know, funny looking guy with curly hair. He kind of was heavier set, you know, kind of like me right here like that. And he just kind of had a little belly. And he was just kind of just an awkward fella, you know. Not that people with bellies are awkward, but I have a belly too, so I feel a little awkward. So anyways, he comes out and he just, I don't know if the online's going to see this, so forgive me. I might go out of the frame for him. But he just goes like this, sits down and goes, okay, everybody. The Holy Spirit's going to move now. So this is what's going to happen. Oh, no, 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 no music, no music. Seriously, no music. Seriously, no music. Okay. So we're just going to wait. Holy Spirit's going to move. And hey, don't worry. If something weird happens, I'm going to run for the exit, so you just follow me. So don't be right. Okay. So we're just going to wait. You know, there might be someone in the room that's just like, gets touched by God, just stand up if God's touching your life, okay? Now there's Catholics, there's Anglicans, there's Methodists, there's Pentecostals, there's crazy costals, there's all sorts of people there. <laughs> They're all hanging out. Five minutes go by. 10 minutes go by. 15 minutes. 20 minutes. My, I looked at my wife and said, this guy knows nothing about the Holy Spirit. And I stood up, and I said, let's go, Steph. She goes, no, no, I said, let's go, Steph. I stood up. I made my way through these smelly kids. Stunk, it was like B.O. Holy Spirit's here. He can fix that. And I headed for the exit. And I got to the very end of the exit, the doors, and I stopped. Because I began to hear this. And I turned around. No music playing a weird guy in the front. We'd waited for 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, one person stands up. I'm healed! One person stands up and he's speaking in a different language. And one person stands up and he must have had a demon in him because he was doing some weird stuff. And this person did all these things. And I begin to feel and I begin to weep and cry. And I never felt the presence of God like I did in that moment. The Holy Spirit came down so heavily upon my life in that instance that it changed my life forever. And I knew that in that moment that God is real and alive and supernatural. And no matter what I'm going, through he came down in that moment and my wife and I just stood there and we began to weep you know what the Holy Spirit did in that moment he reminded me in that moment that Ryan I already did for you everything that you need to experience a life-giving relationship with me that will make you unstoppable and it was found in the belief that he was buried in a grave, that he rose on the third day like he said he would. He ascended into the clouds and the Holy Spirit came down and now lives inside of me. Every day, I'm aware of my friend, the Holy Spirit. And he reminds me, Ryan, I gave you everything you need and this is the platform for the miracles of God in your life. And you will be unstoppable if you stop chasing the miracle and you start chasing the name of Jesus Christ. your eyes. I, I'm over my time just by 60 seconds. Come on, every eye closed in this place. When you're here today and you say, man, Ryan, that spoke to my heart. 
I'm religious. I'm, I feel like I'm in a religious land where I don't have that personal relationship with God. You're here today and you say, Ryan, I would just love to start a journey with God today. And I want the Holy Spirit's power in my life. Come on, every eye closed. I want to give everyone an opportunity who wants to respond today. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to, every eye closed. I just want to see your hand so I can pray for you. You're here today and you say, Ryan, I'd like to start a relationship with Jesus. I'd like to go on that journey to experience the living supernatural God. Come on, that's you today. And you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. Would you just put your hand in the air for me real quick? No one's looking around. I just want to see real quick. Put your hand up. All right, let me pray for everybody in the room. Holy Spirit, right now, would you come right now, Holy Spirit? Supernatural God, would you break through our natural earthly thinking? Would you break through the natural thinking that you are not involved? The lie from the enemy. All he wants to do is keep us thinking that God is not present in our lives. But in reality, if we pull back that curtain, God, the natural world, there's a supernatural God working supernaturally on behalf of his supernatural people. So today I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and they, as they go home and they go about their week that they would be reminded that Jesus, you've already done everything that they need in their lives to have a personal, life-giving, alive relationship with the supernatural Yahweh God. And I just pray, Lord, you'd bless them today. Fill them with your spirit, your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.